Well, good morning again, church. It is good to see you all in the house of the Lord. And it is my prayer, as it is every Sunday, that you will have been blessed thus far. And my prayer is that you will be blessed with what is left of uh, the service. Amen? Amen. So let me go ahead and just invite you to rise. This morning we are in 1 John chapter 4, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 6. If you are visiting, we have been working our way through 1 John, and on some level just revisiting some foundations of faith, uh, specifically from uh, John's perspective. And this morning, the title is When Not to Believe. When Not to Believe. So I'll read, and again, if you are a visitor, what will happen is I'll read this portion of Scripture, I'll pray, and then you can take your seat right after. The Word of the Lord reads as follows. Beloved, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Father, we come now to this time in which uh, we look deeper into your word. And Father, we pray that you would help us to not only understand your word, but by your spirit you will empower us to do whatever it is your word is calling us to do. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to spend some time in your word. And Father, as a side note somewhat, I pray, we pray also for the folks in the Bahamas and for those churches or ministers who are able to meet in some form or fashion. Uh, Father, give, give those ministers a word for their people in the midst of this devastation. So, Father, be with them as we even ask you to be with us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. When not to believe. I, I preached a sermon a little bit earlier in this series. And I asked or I made a similar statement. I said, when not to love. Remember the Apostle John, I said, there are some things that are very key 
in his writings. And we talked how love was one of them. God loves us. We're obviously to love God, but we're also called to love one another. John was all about love. But then in this letter, he comes and tells us when we were not to love, and specifically not loving the ways of the world. Believing is also something that is very, very important to the Apostle John. As a matter of fact, in his gospel, he talks about the purpose of his writing the gospel is for those who would read it or hear it, they would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this passage, he kicks it off, in essence, telling the folks that they are not to believe everything that is presented to them even in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was thinking through this passage, <clears throat> it reminded me of a couple of experiences I've had, and some of you all may even know people like this. But in my youth ministry days, I, uh, there was a lady that we referred to, and she was in on it, but she was the amen lady. And what I mean by that is, everything that was said in the pulpit, whether spiritual or not, you had an amen to. Jesus is Lord. Amen. The Bible is the word of God. Amen. There's rain outside. Amen. The carpet. Look at it. Amen. And it's not me I don't want to exaggerate. I have to be careful about that in the pulpit. But you would probably get about 20 to 25 amens out of her in a sermon period. And the running joke, and again, she was in on it. We talked with her and, you know, it was something we laughed about. But it was like, we could almost say anything to you and you would say amen. And while that might be an encouragement to the preacher in the pulpit, be careful of what you're saying amen to. <laughs> amen. On the reverse side, I have, or I had, a lady that was a member of my previous church. And... <laughs> She was on the opposite end of the spectrum. When, and, and on some level, this was definitely a good thing, but it made me be on my toes pretty often because I knew she would always come to me after the service or after Bible study. And she would say, you know, I really like that word, and that was a great word, and I know this is the passage of Scripture that you used, but the reason that is the word is not just because of that passage, but let me show you the rest of the passages you could have used. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. And then we would have Bible study, and Bible study was more of an opportunity for us to dig deep into some uh, deep things, deep topics. And she would always ask me questions and, and I would try to give her answers and she would say, okay, well, I appreciate that, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at my Bible and then I will be back with you to see if you were right. <laughs> and I could appreciate it, but all that to say, you have one person, and again, this was a believer, but she would say amen almost to everything. 
And we have to be careful of saying amen to everything. And then on the opposite side, which is probably the better fit for what I am after, this lady was very adamant about making sure she agreed with the minister or the preacher only insofar as she can tell that it was coming from the word. And any minister that would stand in this pulpit needs to be prepared to utilize the word. And for those who might be in the pews, we need to make sure that we are judging what is being communicated by the word of God. Amen? And somewhat as a side note, and I've had this question posed to me, some are ready for me to already start addressing serious and deep topics. And not that I am not ready, but I want to first establish my reputation as a preacher of the word and let you see how I treat these texts before we jump into whatever contemporary stuff there may be. I was able to do that in my previous church, of course, because I spent time building a reputation and therefore earned the people's trust to speak on certain things. So that'll come. But everything that we speak on, and John would challenge us to this, we need to make sure that we are operating according to the word of God. And may the Spirit help us. Amen? In verse number one, the Apostle John calls again believers to not believe every spirit. In other words, and, and, and I won't belabor this point, some of this portion of Scripture is, is on some level a repeat of what he's already communicated, but nonetheless, he is telling the people, be careful. Be careful of accepting any and everything that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, on some level for us, that's almost duh. But you have to remember his context. There are a lot of people, and I've said this already before, a number of the folks in his congregation might not have been illiterate, or, or they wouldn't have been literate enough to, to read for themselves. Many of them would not have the collection of scriptures as we have it. They would have been dependent upon the minister who would have had access to these things. And so they're sitting there and they're hearing stuff, much of which was new to them. And a lot of them apparently ate it up. But John is telling them to be careful of accepting and believing everything that comes in the name of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is he goes on in verse number one <clears throat> to say that we are to test the spirits. To test the spirits. And now this is somewhat Pardon me. Somewhat of an interesting phrase. Let me, I normally don't drink water during a sermon, but I drink it after, but the enemy is not going to get the best of me today. So. <clears throat> that was a good amen. <laughs> but he says, go on, and he says, Test the spirits. Now, 
Again, to repeat for, for those of you all who have been at previous sermons and for those of you all who this is the first time, it's not the people that he is counteracting, the false prophets, many of them, well, at that particular time, there was no name for them, so to speak. And so that's why some scholars are like, well, we don't necessarily know who it is, but we see seeds of other heretical groups that would be deemed heretical later on, uh, well after John's time. For example, to use a phrase or a word, uh, there was a teaching called doceticism, D-O-C-E-T-I-S-M. And this was a group of folks who taught basically that Jesus did not have real flesh. Now, again, that term did not come into play till years after John, but some see uh, their forerunners in what John is after or who he's addressing. And so that's why John is adamant about focusing upon the person of Jesus Christ. And again, for those of you all who might be visiting, I've said previously, in our day, there are a lot of different topics, hot-button topics In John's day at this time, who Jesus was, what Jesus came to do was the hot topic. And that's why uh, John is focusing upon this. And so he goes on and he he tells the people in verse number one again that there are many false prophets. Don't lose sight of that phrase. Not a handful of people. You know, this is not very long after Jesus' Jesus's time upon earth. We believe, I believe, this is the Apostle John, and this is someone who walked with Jesus. And now he's saying that there are many false prophets who have crept into the church. But he gives them a test. He goes on and he says, you know what? Uh, this is how you distinguish between This situation, any preacher who comes along, who claims they have this secret knowledge and they're operating according to the spirit, if they say Jesus did not come in the flesh, you know that they are not from God. Any preacher that does come along and says Jesus is Lord, he is God and he has come in the flesh, that is the spirit in which you listen to. My wife and I had another experience. This was actually in our college days. And this happened really to her friend. There was a church that we used to attend that was pretty close to our school. And one, one evening, I think it was, they, the, church, <laughs> the church invited this fellow. This fellow was uh, an entertainer music to be exact, and apparently he had come to know Christ and gave up his former life, gave up uh, his music, and all of a sudden he was in the pulpit preaching. Now, I don't know what this says about me, but I was young, uh, younger, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, it's like, okay, let's go, let's go see. Let's go see. This person was actually from my wife's hometown uh, in Memphis. And so he gets up there 
And he's preaching, he's preaching, declaring the word. Uh, forgive me, I don't recall everything that he said. Uh, nothing really stuck out that said, oh, he's a heretic or anything. But he got to the end of the service. And he went in prophesying mode. And he started calling various people from the congregation to come up on stage. And he called my wife's best friend on stage. I say best friend because she knows, and best friends to this very day, called her up on stage and said, in essence, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's totally a legit prayer phrase. He says, <laughs> memory is not totally great, but I, I, the point is clear. But he gets on stage and says, uh, in essence, the Lord is, or the, you know, the Spirit is communicating to me, you are dealing with X, Y, and Z. This is a problem for you, and you're going to, I know it's rough, and I know this is what the enemy is doing to your life, but let me tell you what uh, the Spirit is going to uh, do for you, and starts rolling off these blessings uh, <laughs> and, and, and all of that. And so we connect with Stephanie's friend after the service and was like, was any of that from the Lord? And she was like, I didn't recognize anything that he was saying about me being the actual case. And again, he was pretty specific and calling out stuff. And she wasn't trying to like, oh, I know everything about me and, and I'm open to whatever the Lord might be saying through others. But what he was saying was so far off. Now, I bring that up because, and that happens very, that happens a lot today. And, and, and we have, John would say to his audience, as he says to us, that we have to be careful of accepting everything that we hear, everything that is promoted as if it is actually of Christ. Now, again, for many of us, you know, we might consider ourselves hardcore defenders of the faith. And it comes natural, uh, uh, I don't want to say natural, but we're all about recognizing error and so on and so forth. And whether or not that's the case, that's somewhat of a side, uh, side uh, bar. But there are many people that we perhaps interact with. There are a number of folks out there who are hearing a lot of things that would be questionable. And the question stands for you and I is, are we in a place, albeit we must do it in a way that is proper, in a way that is right, but are we prepared to show people, to talk with people, to engage with people, whether they be friends or families, who may not have a proper view of Christ or other issues that are central to the gospel. Again, John is telling these folks that Jesus and what folks believe about Jesus is super important. And that is the case today as well. Amen? What we believe about Jesus is super important. And we must be prepared to embrace and stand upon the Christ of Scripture. And for any that we are in connection with who are not standing upon the Christ of Scripture, 
we must ask the Lord to help us to engage them and to help them to embrace and understand the Christ of Scripture. Now, one of the things that I want us to take into consideration as we move forward and fast forwarding to verses 4 and 6, the apostle is, on some level, he is uh, identifying opposing teams or opposing sides. So, uh, for example, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Think about it like this. Uh, when it comes to sports teams, you, you, can recognize, you can recognize various teams, obviously by their colors, of course their names, the cities or whatnot. Schools, we can recognize schools in essence by the same colors, location, names, all of this. Well, in this particular portion of scripture, it's almost as if you have team A versus team B. So, for example, on team A, you would have, well, let me, uh, well, team A, you would have God. You would have God's spirit. You would have the truth. You have the apostles. You have those who are of God. On team B, you would have uh, Satan, the spirit of the world, error, false prophets, those of the world. Now, again, on some level, this will be controversial in today's time. And, and by the way, I would say it was controversial in that time. But we live in a, in a day and age and even in a society where we are called to embrace and celebrate differences. And on some level, I think that is appropriate depending on what we're talking about and what we're interacting with. But when it comes to the gospel of Christ... And by the way, I'm not suggesting that, that we cast people to hell or whatever who disagree with us. The Lord will take care of what he decides to take care of. But that being said, we must be prepared to stand upon the truth. Now, again, that begs the point, you know, what is truth and so on and so forth. But in this context, John is saying, as it relates to the truth, the truth is Jesus came to the earth and he came to redeem sinners and he came even in the flesh. That is the truth that he is communicating to his audience. And the question for us is, what are we standing upon this truth that John himself is proclaiming? Are we embracing the Christ of Scripture? Are we embracing the Redeemer of the world? Do we see him as God and as man? Do we see him not only as a teacher, but also as a Redeemer? Do we see him, if I may kind of pit phrases, uh, not necessarily against one another, but do we see him not only as someone who has saved us, but he is he also our Lord? 
as in he is the one who guides and determines our life. John says it is important to stand on the truth. You, I, we cannot be different to the truths of Scripture. And this is what he is after when it comes to his people. And as I prepare to close, here is why. He, he says, and, and this comes from verse 4, but what are the results between team A and team B? In verse uh, number 4, uh, if you will, it says, uh, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Now, in context, of course, this could mean those who follow error, and it could also refer specifically to those who were promoting the error. But nonetheless, he says, you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, in other words, those who stand upon the truth of Christ, we are overcomers. We are greater than those who are in error, greater in terms of victory and strength. In other words, if you stand upon the truth, no matter what comes your way, in Christ, you will overcome. In Christ, you are in a greater position. But for those who stand upon error, they will be the ones who have been overcame. They are lesser in terms of victory and strength. In other words, to follow the ways that are contrary to the Lord leads to loss, ultimately. Whether you feel or whether they feel like they're on top of the world now, the reality is a loss awaits those who wish to reject the Christ of Scripture. On the contrary, those who stand upon the Christ of Scripture, even though it may seem like you're losing now, the end result is ultimately a win. And so, brothers and sisters, I challenge you and I challenge me, and, 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 and this will even be in, in, in later sermons. I know today the topic of Christ and whether or not he came in the flesh, I would venture to think that a majority of us who claim Christ would embrace that. But what other truths of Scripture might we not be holding to? And again, I don't have the time to play with that, but I want you to at least think through that in the back of your mind. Now, my official close, uh, I gave you one a little bit earlier, but this is the official one. The dangers, I, I, I kind of somewhat alluded to the dangers of following the wrong spirit and the blessings of following the right spirit. But the role of the Holy Spirit. It's one thing for me to stand up here and challenge you. You need to do a better job. I need to do a better job of loving my neighbor. We need to do more scripture readings or we need to be persevering in prayer or we need to make sure we're loving our community better or this person better or whatnot. Or we need to stop doing X, Y, and Z. It's one thing for me to say that. And there are times where, well, I obviously should. But I'm also cognizant and we should be cognizant of the fact that the things that are required of us takes the help of the Holy Spirit. 
And so, brothers and sisters, if you are standing upon the truth, be humble and recognize it's not simply because of your, my intellect or whatever. We stand upon the truth because the Spirit has enabled us to stand upon the truth. And we should give praise for that. And for those that we see walking in error, it's one thing to try to convince them with our own arguments. If I just present my argument in the correct way, if I debate in a way that is proper, then they will come to see the errors of their way. Be careful of that. We need to also be praying that the Spirit would move and help any that may not be walking in the ways of the Word. So let us remember the Spirit's role. And at the same time, let us remember that all of this is possible. And what I mean by possible, for us to be walking with Christ, in the Spirit of Christ, is because of the cross of Christ. You and I, who claim to know Jesus, you and I who may claim, and albeit maybe not perfectly, we claim to stand upon the truth of God's word. Again, it is not of our own doing. It is because we have a Savior who even when we were not looking for him, even when we were not thinking about him, he was looking for and thinking about us. And, he sent, and, and the Father sent forth his Son, that was a beautiful song, by the way. And Marco gave me the thumbs up. Thumbs back up to you, Marco. But, oh, he's already, oh. Tell him I said that. Tell him he's referenced in the sermon. But, 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 God, but God gave us his son. And it came in the form of the cross. He came and he lived. He taught he died, and now he has been raised for you and I. And because he has done this, we are able to embrace the truth of what is promoted in his word. So again, brothers and sisters, it's, I would challenge you and myself, don't believe everything that is out there. And just in case that is elementary for you, if you're not believing everything out there, and you are standing upon the word, don't become prideful. Don't become boastful. But instead, give God praise. Because if you stand upon the truth of Christ, it is because of the Spirit. It is because of the work of Christ upon the cross. And as a result, we should give God praise for that. Let us not believe everything. Amen? Father, we bless your most holy name. And Father... We thank you for the word that you have given to us through uh, the Apostle John. And Father, we, uh, for one, we thank you so much uh, for helping us to believe the things you've called us to believe that are indeed the true word of God. And Father, if there is anything that we are embracing, that is not truly of your word. May your spirit reveal that to us. Father, for those in our midst that we love, that we care for, who may not be standing upon the truth, 
we pray that your spirit would move in their hearts. And insofar as we have a role, Lord, help us as John engages his audience, help us to engage those who may not be standing again upon the truth, but help us to do it in a way that honors you, in a way that is appropriate and right. Father, we pray even now uh, for the church as a whole, not just faith, but the church world. And Father, we believe even today that there are many who are out promoting doctrines and teachings that are contrary to your word. And Father, we pray that you would protect your people, reveal error where it exists, and may truth be embraced where it is currently not. Father, again, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for our great Savior. Thank you for your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name that all of God's people says, Amen. Amen. If you're able, I'll invite you to rise for our closing song. Amen. Receive now the benediction. May the peace of Christ and may his grace likewise guide all of us who are in Jesus. Amen.